Tiki is not a thatched hut bar at the beach. It's not cheap wicker citronella torches lining your neighbor's backyard barbecue. And it's certainly not hipsters and floral button-downs drinking a pineapple-infused craft beer. No, Tiki is scary. The Tiki bar is deep jungle samba, cool trade winds caressing fan palms. It's droll, gnarly totems, and thanks to the genius of Don Beach, it's curious elixirs whose true origins and recipes remain disputed to this day. Tiki, in Maori legend, was the first man, Adam. Along with his lady, Mori Kariko, who seduced him after he found her in a pond, they had a baby girl who created the clouds and... Look, creation myths are convoluted by nature. Let's just skip ahead a few millennia to the 1930s, when a man styling himself Don Beach opened the first genre-defining tiki bar, Don the Beachcombers, in California. The refractory period between world wars gave rise to an influx of Polynesian pop Hollywood films while young soldiers returned stateside with stories of far-off tropical paradises. And quite possibly most telling catalyst for Tiki Fever, a seething post-prohibition rum habit. Don used his travels through Polynesia and a not-so-minute bit of ingenuity to invent the Tiki Bar as we know it. Tiki swept the nation and eventually the world. Then, like a lot of hot, fast cultural fads, Tiki simmered and fizzled into an old-timey cliché. Until recently... The modern boom-boom in retroism and classic cocktails has seen an unyielding rise in neo-escapism, Dionysian debaucherous class. Where kitsch is cool and sweet molasses is preferred over the wincing burn of Kentucky's finest, there you will find calm, dim lighting, transcendent music, prodigious palms, rattan furniture, and that most recognizable of all tiki bar culture, the tiki mug. And in that mug, you will find that most quintessential of all tiki drinks, the Adam, the Mai Tai. To long-time listeners, or those who have gone back to the beginning of Pa Tiki, that monologue may seem familiar, as it should. For this is the intro to the very first episode of Pa Tiki, way back in June of 2019. In taking this journey alongside you all over the past four years, I have learned so much about Tiki culture and its infamous cast of characters. And most importantly, the drinks. Looking back, I can say that this early attempt at spreading my love for Tiki was, it has remained virtually unchanged, save now I have the knowledge and experience to back up what I always knew. That Tiki is alive and well. Through the many concoctions we've covered over the years, one truth remains self-evident. That the Mai Tai is king. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Tony, and this is Pod Tiki. Mai Tai 2023 episode. As we approach the fourth anniversary of Pod Tiki Podcast, I thought this would be a wonderful place for listeners, new and old, as well as myself, to do a bit of a refresher, pun intended, 
on Tiki's most famous drink. But this isn't simply a recapitulation. There's actually been some interesting revelations since last we talked Thai. The Mai Tai shares a special place in cocktailia alongside the margarita, daiquiri, old-fashioned, and martini in so much as it lends itself to so many interpretations. Like any artist will tell you, the work is never truly finished. Don't get me wrong, I'm still a purist and generally don't care for riffs on masterpieces. Keeping with the art analogy, they would call them counterfeits. But in order to be a great forger, one must also be a great artist. Point being, if imitation is the greatest form of flattery, then, well, the Mai Tai is the Gary Oldman of tiki drinks. But we're not here to talk about rifts, rifts rather than other evolutions. Before we get into the Mai Tai specifically, in the spirit of being a reintroduction episode, suffer me the indulgence of reintroducing myself. I grew up in Florida, always enamored with the tropical lifestyle, uh, the only kid in high school bumping Jimmy Buffett out of my subwoofer rattling hatchback. Tiki was always in the background on the East Coast beach scene, um, iconography, iconography borrowed from the faux Polynesian pop era. My first true immersive tiki experience came from Disney's Polynesian Resort. Somehow, even back then, I knew I was hooked. It's through the amalgamation of tiki exotica and Caribbean tropic that I formed my style and the basis of this show. A style I've dubbed Tropiki. But before the podcast and the portmanteaus and the excessive mug collection, there was a lonely writer in a bungalow in Nashville trying to find his seaside roots in a bottle of Captain Morgan white rum mixed with lime and pineapple juice. Essentially, I was making a long version of pineapple daiquiri. That led me to my first Mai Tai recipe. This was your basic off-the-internet what-mom-orders-at-Applebee's recipe. Check this out. One ounce Captain Morgan white rum, three-quarter ounce bowls orange curacao, three-quarter ounce lime juice, a half ounce Torani orjat, two ounces of pineapple juice shaken with a three-quarter ounce Myers dark rum floater. Yeah, I drank those for a whole summer. And I gotta tell you, not a bad Mai Tai. Or actually, not a bad drink. Definitely not a Mai Tai. In fact, um, once I progressed my Mai Tai skills, my buddy Kyle still requested that early version that he liked so much, which is why that drink has become known as the Kai Tai. Then I attended a Polynesian pop festival here in Nashville where I heard Jeff Beachbum Berry give a symposium on the creation of Tiki. This was the first time I met Jeff and he recommended a book that changed my life. And a bottle of rum, A History of the New World in Ten Cocktails by Wayne Curtis. This was an integral ingredient in sparking my newfound obsession. And oh, what's this? There's a Mai Tai recipe. Curtis's recipe calls for one ounce each of good Jamaican-style rum and a medium-bodied rum from either Cuba or Barbados. Three-quarter ounce curacao, three-quarter ounce lime juice, and a quarter ounce orgeat. This also makes a damn fine drink. I especially like the absence of added sugar. 
Then I read Beachbone Berry's Grog Log and eventually my personal tropical drink Bible, Potions of the Caribbean. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow moves in this petty pace from day to day, and we find ourselves today with pretty much an agreed-upon standard that we call the 1944 Mai Tai. Ah, but name alone does not a legend make. So let's talk about the Mai Tai's origin. It came to pass that in 1944, Victor Bergeron was entertaining two friends visiting from Tahiti at his full Polynesian restaurant, Trader Vic's. Maybe you've heard of it. He took down a bottle of 17-year-old Ray and Nephew rum and mixed in a few scant traces of orange curacao, rock candy syrup, which is what he called simple syrup, orgeat, and the juice of one lime. He shook it with ice, poured the whole thing in a rocks glass, and served it to his friend Carrie Guild, who exclaimed in Tahitian, Mai Tai Roai, which translates to, out of this world, the best. Now, I've never been to Tahiti, so I don't know how western washed they've become, but I'm pretty sure Carrie isn't a traditional Tahitian name, so I'm guessing she was an expat who picked up the language. In any case... This is the story Vic tells, and he's sticking to it. And I'm inclined to believe him. Trader Vic wasn't some gone-on-the-trade-winds, don-the-beachcomber copycat. He did his diligence traveling across the South Seas on both sides of the continent, learning from tropical drink masters. His knowledge of rum rivaled that of his... um... rival, Don Beach. Therefore, the story played out... Uh, Whether the story played out word for word the way Vic tells it, I do believe that he invented the Mai Tai in 1944, as do all notable cocktail historians. By the early 1950s, Ray and Nephew ceased production of their 17-year rum, and the popularity of the Mai Tai quickly exhausted the remaining supply. Luckily, the 15-year version held up the flavor and the profile When this began to run dry, Vic began mixing in a blend of black Jamaican rums by Red Heart and Karuba, respectively. This maintained the profile Vic needed until the Mai Tai completely used up all the remaining Ray and Nephew 15-year as well. Now what was a trader to do? Vic decided that, rather than seek out a replacement, he would create his own blend to mimic the taste of the original 17-year-old rum. This is where we see the origins in earnest of two rums being blended in a Mai Tai. Vic landed on a combination of medium-bodied Jamaican rum and rum from Martinique, which we all assumed referred to the famous French rum agricoles that region is known for. A bit of foreshadowing there if you already know. But continuing down the Mai timeline. This became the official recipe we now call the original 1944 Mai Tai. My current favorite Mai Tai in this style is Beach Bomb Berry's recipe served at his New Orleans restaurant, Latitude 29. He used an even blend of Appleton Estate 12-year and Clement VSOP Martinique rum, incorporating in his own Latitude 29 orgeat. This is an outstanding Mai Tai and easy to make at home and easy to see why it, got, why it got so popular. The Mai Tai becoming synonymous with tiki vacation vibes comes from a deal Trader Vic struck with our old friends, the Matson Line. 
The massive oil company made a name for itself in our story when they began buying up hotel properties throughout Hawaii. In this case, they had a pleasure cruise line they wanted Vic to create the menu for. The Mai Tai was actually down on the list, but quickly became a favorite of patrons. From there, it spread across across the islands and took on new life by morphing with native Hawaiian fruit juices, giving us the respectable Hawaiian Mai Tai. Again, a very pleasant drink in its own right. I can attest to this firsthand due to the copious amounts I ingested while on my honeymoon in Kauai. For more on this, check out Kevin Crossman's article, The De-Evolution of the Hawaiian Mai Tai. In the 80s, we had the Chinese restaurant Mai Tai with its pinkish hue, most likely due to the addition of grenadine. I have fond childhood memories of my mom ordering them as I guzzled Shirley Temples. The art of cocktailing waned, or as the art of cocktailing waned, we ended up with the bastardized Mai Tais being mixed with all kinds of canned juices, concentrated lime juice, and garnished with cherries and umbrellas. Trader Vic himself succumbed to the almighty dollar by creating a Mai Tai mix which he bottled and sold. In my eyes, he kinda gets a pass though, as back then, pre-made mixes were revolutionary and not the faux pas they are today. A lot of tiki bars actually mix several common ingredients to make prep easier. I completely understand how this cuts back on the wait time for that next drink. Unfortunately, this is what leads certain bars to having a quote-unquote signature flavor profile. And sometimes the drinks start tasting the same. Today, Trader Vic's still uses that mix, but if you're nice, you can ask the bartender to mix you a handmade original. Luckily, the resurgence of not only tiki, but craft cocktails in general has given a breath of renewed life to the true 1944 Mai Tai recipe. The blending of two rums has lent itself to many interpretations of this faux polypop standard. And, even though I'm a purist at heart, I can sign off on playing around with your favorite rums to customize your perfect Mai Tai, just this once. Just remember that Trader Vic's blend of pot still Jamaican rum and Martinique rum agricole is the uncontested true Mai Tai. Or is it? Well, I think you can tell by how much time is left on this episode that we're not done yet. In Martin Kate's Tiki Tome, Smuggler's Cove, Exotic Cocktails, Rum, and the Cult of Tiki, he brings to light some very interesting new revelations. Kate is probably the foremost authority on rums and how they're used in tiki. Not to mention he bartended at Trader Vic's before eventually opening his own tiki bar and restaurant, Smuggler's Cove. Now, I'm not going to plagiarize his entire story. I want you to go buy the book. But the gist is, the descriptions of Martinique rum Vic used didn't match up with how one would describe a rum agricole which we typically associate with that island's style of rum. Agricole rum is distilled from pressed cane juice rather than molasses, as in most rums. This gives agricole its signature grassy notes. The rum Vic recounted using was rich and nutty. Not to mention Vic described the Martinique rum he used as being dark like a black Jamaican rum. Well, there are no rum agricoles on the market with that complexion. As it turns out, back in the days Vic was mixing, 
Martinique actually did offer a molasses rum known as Rum Traditionnel. These were described by both Trader Vic and Don the Beachcomber as heavy, dark rums. In fact, in Trader Vic's Book of Food and Drink, there are recipes in which he calls for either a dark Jamaican or Martinique rum. Furthermore, when he wants an agricole rum to be used, he calls for it by name, where he does not in the Mai Tai. Simply says Martinique rum. In conclusion, Martin Kate suggests Vic's Mai Tai blend was a mix of pot still Jamaica rum and Martinique rum traditionnel. Problem is, unless you live in Martinique, their molasses-based rums are not really available. Luckily for us, Martin Kate took matters into his own hands and, collaborating with Denizen Rum, created Merchant's Reserve. This is a blend of eight-year Jamaican pot still rum and molasses-based Martinique rum. It's not available everywhere, but I suggest asking your local shop to carry it and stock up. Denizen Merchants Reserve is the closest we are ever going to get to tasting what Trader Vic intended a Mai Tai to taste like in 1944. And? Results? It's my favorite Mai Tai. Taking nothing away from the dark Jamaican slash rum agricole blend, which is my second favorite, there's just something special about the way Merchant's Reserve works with the other flavors. In Martin Kate's words, Vic, intend, Vic invented the perfect rum delivery system. I don't know about y'all, but I can use a delivery right about now. Let's make a drink! Now, we've already covered the rum. I do want to say, though... That even though Merchant's Reserve is the new standard, the Appleton slash Clement was the modern standard. Don't forget that Trader Vic himself initially used Karuba also to prolong his supply of Ray and Nephew 15. Therefore, there's no shame whatsoever in using a classic black Jamaican rum in your Mai Tai. I actually prefer Myers over Karuba. They're both very nice expressions of that style, but I feel Myers has more funk and a pleasant roasted caramelized molasses profile. A lot of people claim Karuba is better, but that's just because Myers is common, and a lot of quote-unquote tiki aficionados are just hipster douchebags who hate on popular things. When I was in culinary class, I had a chef tell me once, when cooking chicken, use chicken seasoning. As in, don't overthink it. As Occam's Razor suggests, the simplest explanation is probably correct. Myers is a really good rum. Bacardi, Bud Light, and Star Wars prequels are other examples of waning middle class of cultural popularity. Notwithstanding, the modern Mai Tai indeed is most commonly a blend of two rums. As a two-rum blend designed deliberately for this purpose, I must say, in my humble opinion, Denizen Merchants Reserve makes the best current Mai Tai. It's also not too bad for sipping. The real genius of this drink shows in the remaining parts, or lack thereof. The small amounts of other ingredients act like a backing band for the lead vocalist that is rum. The first member of the band we'll cover is Orange Curacao. Curacao is an island nation located off the northern shores of South America, originally colonized by Spain. They planted these little bitter oranges called lajaras, or larajas, larajas, larajas. 
<laughs> when the Dutch took over in 1634, they found these little bitter oranges not very palatable. I imagine it went something like, Oh, these oranges are so bitter, yeah? But something the Dutch were quite adept in was distilling aromatics and liqueurs. Legend has it that Lucas Bowles, yes, that Bowles, created the liqueur by adding Laraja oil to a sugar-based distillate. I've even seen claims that it was naturally made with rum from the neighboring Caribbean. Nowadays, most orange curacao on the market is made with a neutral spirit and natural orange flavors. You're probably not going to get curacao made from Laraja oranges unless it's actually made in curacao. For these reasons, the industry standard for this ingredient has become Pierre Ferrand dry orange curacao. The Elite cognac crafters at Pierre Ferrand blend their oranges with fine French brandy to bring us a rich, decadent liqueur worthy of sharing a glass with your finest rums. It's not exactly how the Dutch originally made it, but I have seen some evidence that Curacao was actually split with brandy early on when rum wasn't available. And the Pierre version is not a heavy cognac like you might be picturing, not like a Grand Marnier. No, the Ferran Curacao is full-flavored and elegant, but not syrupy and oversweet. Now, one of the things I disagree with is when the quote-unquote industry standard is the most expensive thing on the market. It's definitely worth it, but a bottle of Pierre Ferran Curacao will run you about $36 to $40. For the more budget-minded passionados out there, I have had wonderful success with Marie Brizard Orange Curacao, which comes in around $25 if you can find it. The other integral flavor in Mai Tai is Orgeet. And yes, I'm joking when I pronounce it that way. I just think saying Orja sounds pretentious. I split the difference and pronounce it Orjat, which is the accepted English pronunciation. So, Orjat is a syrup made with almond, sugar, and orange water. Almond should be the prevalent flavor, although many versions are available, all ranging in sweetness and intensity. Initially, orgeat was made with a barley-almond blend. In French, the word for barley is orja. Uh, over in Spain, the product known as horchata is derived from the same Latin term, ordiesius, or made with barley. Though somewhere along the way, orgeat and horchata obviously diverged in flavor and become known as different things. Now, I've tried all kinds of Orjats, um, from your generic brands like Tarani and Fee Brothers to BG Reynolds and Liber and & Co., and even some high-ends like Small Hand Foods. But I gotta say, my all-time favorite is Beach Bum Berry's Latitude 29 Formula Orjat. And I promise he's not paying for this. But if you would like to sponsor Patiki, you know where to find me, Jeff. I prefer my Orjat with high almond flavor, which it delivers, the Latitude 29 version. It's got a floral blend of orange blossom and rose waters. Plus, importantly for me, it uses pure cane sugar with no preservatives. I don't like my drinks very sweet, and Latitude 29 Orjat is sweet enough on its own to not require the use of any additional simple syrup. Which brings us there. Trader Vic originally used a half ounce of orgeat and a quarter ounce of simple syrup, but over time he reduced the orgeat to a quarter ounce as well. Ironically, I find this blend perfect for the Appleton 12 slash Clement VSOP blend of rums. 
The sweetness there is needed to cut through the heavier notes of funk and herbaceousness. Yet, with the Denizen Merchant's Reserve, I think Latitude 29 Orjat is sweet enough and pleasant enough to use only a half ounce of it and omit simple syrup altogether. To be fair, other brands of Orjat that are not as sweet, such as BJ Reynolds, still require the sugar, but I'm giving you what I think makes the best Mai Tai. I understand these things are subjective, but if everything was left to subjectivity, chaos would ensue. Besides, you come here for a reason, right? And I'm sure it's not my witty banter. Just make sure if you're going to use simple syrup, it is a one-to-one -one ratio of water to pure cane sugar, which you can find in the baking aisle. The last thing we'll need is fresh lime juice. Since this is a recap episode, I'll reiterate. Never use pre-squeezed from concentrate lime juice that comes in that plastic bottle. Take it from a man who's made mistakes. It's so easy to squish, to squeeze, to squish? It's easy to squish, but it's also easy to squeeze fresh lime juice, and the taste is so much fresher and lighter and vivid. Lime is an essential flavor in so many tiki drinks, and you want to have that perfect natural blend of sour and citrus spiciness. Just make sure when you squeeze that lime, you cut the lime horizontally so the two halves look like boobs. We're going to need those later. Now, I don't often use garnish at home unless it's necessary for the drink, and I make Mai Tais all the time without garnish. But when I have mint on hand, it definitely adds to the experience. The proper Trader Vic Mai Tai garnish is half a spent lime shell, skin side up, floating on the surface of the drink, with a mint sprig beside it. The olfactory sensation of citrus oil and mint truly adds to the experience. Much like sniffing the foot of a fine cigar before lighting, I have been known to waft my nose across the surface of a Mai Tai before the first sip for maximum enjoyment. Finally, we're going to need a proper Mai Tai glass. Like the drink, the Mai Tai glass itself has become a fixture in the milieu of tiki culture. A double rocks glass with a flared rim, the Mai Tai glass can feature classic tiki iconography, like the one still available for purchase at Trader Vic's, or a plethora of pop culture references. For instance, my personal favorites are the ones my wife got me for my birthday a few years back, featuring a Gilligan's Island design by Jeff Granite. With that, here is the official Pod Tiki Mai Tai recipe. One ounce lime juice, half ounce Pierre Ferrand dry orange curacao, half ounce Latitude 29 formula orgeat, two ounces of Denizen Merchants Reserve. Fill the glass almost to the top with crushed ice, about a cup. In a cocktail shaker, add all the ingredients, then the ice, and shake vigorously. Open pour entire contents into the rocks glass. Float one of the spent lime shells on top of the drink. Take a liberal mint sprig and slap it in the palm of your hand to release the oils and plunge the stem into the drink beside the lime shell. It should resemble a palm tree on a deserted island. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't rush in. Don't go, don't go chasing waterfalls of Mai Tais now. We're talking about the paragon of tiki drinks. First... Admire the stunning visual appearance. Then, smell the surface of the liquid and get all that mint-lime scent. Okay, now you may take a sip.
Have you ever read Dante's Divine Comedy? After descending the circles of hell, shedding the film of humanity and purgatory, and finally reaching the pinnacle of paradise, just when the scene is set for Dante to describe encountering the mystery of the Holy Trinity, Mano e Son of Mano, he simply tells us, the experiential realization of divinity is such that it cannot be described. There is no reality in which we could comprehend the essence. No words big enough. Well, that's like the first sip of the perfect Mai Tai. I've said before on the show, the margarita is actually my favorite drink. But I can explain what a margarita tastes like. The abstract flavor notes of a perfectly balanced Mai Tai are almost ineffable. Sure, one could assign words like tart, and sweet, rummy, or tropical fruity. Even though there's no fruit juice, save lime, what you're tasting is the dark fruit notes of well-aged rum combined with curacao, tricking your brain into tasting tropical fruit juice. I don't know if Trader Vic set out to create a culinary masterpiece, but that's exactly what he did. The Mai Tai is not just a drink but a transcendent concept, invoking the spirit of tropical exotica throughout so many facets of life. Across the globe, spanning decades, the Mai Tai has served to bring people together culturally, not just for the tiki community, but for the whole of Coctelia, and dare I say, for Americana. Earning its irrefutable place as the one true king of tiki drinks. I know I say this all the time, but the Mai Tai is the perfect example of a drink that is truly greater than the sum of its parts. A tertiary experience rendered from a discriminate combination of flavors. The great thing is that you don't have to make my version, or Beach Bum Berries or Martin Cates. You can mix a dark Jamaican with a medium-bodied rum, some lime juice, orange curacao, and almond syrup, and you'll get a decent, passable drink. But, mix it with top-shelf ingredients in the style of Trader Vic's 1944, and it truly is Mai Tai Roi. The best. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Tony, and for the past four years, this has been Pod Tiki. Thank you so much for listening, and here's to another four years. The sources for this episode can be found at, under the blog posts for this episode at podtiki.com. Before you guys head out, I want to reiterate how excited I am that we have a release date for Pod Tiki Summer Sessions EP Volume 1. The very first day of summer, June 21st, You'll be able to go to podtiki.com and listen to Podtiki's first ever music release. I'm very excited about it, and I'm going to solidify some kind of online happy hour or something to do somewhere after the release date. If you follow our social medias at pod underscore tiki on Instagram or my personal page, rum underscore poet, you can follow or search for Podtiki on Facebook. And we're going to be releasing all kinds of pictures and behind-the-scenes stuff leading up to the release of the episode. I've already dropped the first one, a little teaser. 
And please, please go to YouTube and follow us on YouTube for all the how to make drink episodes and also episodes of my YouTube only show, Inside the Mug, where we go inside the mug, which, which kind of is the pod tiki version of behind the scenes. And we talk about some stuff from the episode that didn't make it into the episode or personal anecdotes or maybe just stuff that happened or is going to happen or is happening at the moment, whatever you guys want to talk about. The more people we get on there, the easier it will be for me to go live. I'm hoping to get some more people on there soon so we can start going live. There is also one more announcement, and it's a little bit cringy, so I apologize, but there is a Patreon for Podtiki now. If you want to go to Podtiki right now, it is donation only. There are no perks available because I don't really know what to do until maybe this music release is is uh is over and then I can I can go heartily into the the uh the the the, the giveaways or the perks for the Patreon. But yeah, you can go to you can search Pod Tiki P O D T I K I on Patreon, and if you want to throw a couple of bucks to your favorite Tiki podcast, go ahead and do that. And then when you're done doing that, go ahead and throw me a couple of bucks too. I'd appreciate it. So, um, but you know, I'm not trying to get rich off this, but I would just want to. I would like to be able to, um, you know, just cover the expenses of doing the show. So if you want, if you like it and you want to help out, I really appreciate it. If not, and you still want to listen, I'm still very happy to have you all here. The commentary that we have on our social media is one of my favorite things to do throughout the week. I love commenting. I love seeing everybody's pictures and comments and threads. Um, Please search me out on social media and YouTube, and I cannot wait to see um, what everybody thinks of the music coming out at the end of June. Um, If you want to help the show out again also and get yourself something in the meantime, you can check out surfsidesips.com. And that will get you all of your tiki straws, your custom straws, your glass straws, high-end like uh, glassware that are, they're not going to break or shatter or, or anything in the dishwasher or on the floor. They're, they're high quality, um, the same stuff that those name brand pots and pans are made out of. You know what I'm, what I'm talking about. And uh, Andrew is a great guy who'll work with you. And if you don't need anything custom, you just want something to take around with you while you're vacationing this summer, there's a wide variety of sets available, like pre-made sets with uh, cleaners and different bends to them and different lengths and widths. And uh, I think he even has a storage case available now. So you go on there, you pick out what you want, you go to checkout. And when it, when you get to that little coupon code, you put in Pod Tiki, all uppercase, all one word. P-O-D-T-I-K-I, and that will get you 20% off your order, and then they'll know that I sent you there, and that'll just further the relationship and grow the podcast and grow Surfside Sips, so I appreciate that. Um, Let me see, what am I going through here? Is there anything else I got to cover? Not really. If you're going, if you are in the Nashville area and you are into uh, great music, I urge you to check out a, the Tin Roof Cats, which is a Grateful Dead tribute band, not a cover band, a tribute band. They do a lot of cool stuff, a lot of different covers, and then also mixed in with their set and some originals here coming up soon, I hear. Uh, They have a plethora of shows across the Nashville area and surrounding areas this summer, so really looking forward to that. Follow them. And that is about all that I have. I just can't say how blown away I am that... 2019 we started this podcast it was supposed to be a side project that i did for fun and then 
when the pandemic hit, it became my only project. And now it's greater than... It, it has formed and morphed into an umbrella for everything I enjoy. I get to write. I get to podcast. And I now I get to release music as well. And there's even more stuff to come under that umbrella. So... Keep an eye on Pod Tiki. Thank you so much for your support. Spread the word so we can grow the community. My idea is to really form a community of people across the country and the world. And, you know, I don't get around as much as I used to across the country nowadays. But anybody who passes through the Nashville, Tennessee area, please go ahead and hit us up on social media. And I'll meet you out at Chopper by a daiquiri. All right, guys. Once again, my name is Tony. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. For all this time, I can't wait to continue. And, you know, summer's coming. Let's see what's going to, let's see what's happened. Let's see what, what's a popping. Uh, anyway, for the whole Tiki team, which is me and my wife, I just want to say thank you, and we'll see you next time. Keepy Tiki. <laughs>